Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled American Baby Boomer. And joining me from the Northwest in the United States of America is the author, Lucas Carter. Welcome, sir, to the program. Good morning, and thank you. Well, pleasure visiting with you. One thing that, I guess, uh, impressed me about your book, besides the cover, which is very uh, sort of patriotic and uh, reminiscent of the United States of America with the four presidents carved into Mount Rushmore on its its face, um, is the fact that there's over 700 pages in your book. And uh, I'm curious, what was the reason this book got written, and uh, what is the significance of it? Is it a novel? Is it a fiction? What would you describe it as? I would consider this to be more of a, a memoir book, and it talks about my life growing up and what it was like to be in the baby boomer generation. Mm. I grew up in Southern California, and once I graduated from high school, I went to the University of California at Fresno State. I graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree in English Literature. Uh, I've had two careers in separate industries before I retired, and neither one of them actually related to my literature degree. Mm. So since retiring, I decided I really wanted to write a book about what it was like to grow up as a baby boomer. Well, uh, many what, of us, many of us can relate to that. You, you have in your book, though, your uh, primary uh, person or focus, a gentleman mm-hmm. named named Michael. Yes, I do. So, for me, what you know, whether I'm standing in line or stuck in traffic or at the grocery store, I've always looked around at other people and wonder what their story was. Mm. And everyone is unique, and though their stories may differ, I've always thought they'd be intriguing to others. So in my work life, I encountered so many different types of people from different walks of life that I found to be fascinating. I decided to make Michael my main character. Mm. Um, The single biggest reason and difference I see in people seems really to be more generational rather than social or economic. So when I wrote the book... I wanted to write the book about the experiences of one person in the baby boomer generation, mostly because I could identify with that age group personally. As well, I mixed in actual events that happened during various times in my life and that of all of the baby boomers, Um, the Korean War, the United States landing on the moon, John F. Kennedy's assassination, the Vietnam War, racial tension in America while I was growing up, the terrorist attack on the uh, Twin Towers on 9-11, 2001. Yes. And the shift away from our country under God to a country without God. It, it also chronicles the social changes in both education systems and the world as we move more to the left and away from capitalism and towards socialism. Well, it's a, a, a mammoth task you've undertaken, and uh, I hate to admit it to my audience, but I can relate and understand most of everything that you've uh, mentioned so far as far as being a part of the baby boomer generation. In fact, I grew up in another country, Canada, and Canada is mentioned in your in your book as well. Uh, I grew up there, and I recall uh, the... Um, 
the Bay of Pigs invasion, how that impacted even my school uh, students, not my school students, but the students in my school. Uh, we were, I think, dismissed for half a day and um, you know, crowded in the corner thinking that maybe everything was going to fall on top of us. It was a, it was a rather shake, shaking time for, for young people and children in that era. Uh, I also remember when Elvis Presley first came on the scene and uh, how that impacted some of the some of my friends in in uh, in grade school. So uh, there's a lot in here, uh, 724 pages. That's a lot of personal remembrances. Uh, did you keep notes during all of this time, or do you just have a, a spectacular memory? Well, I have a pretty good memory, but um, many of the accounts in this story in the book are taken from real life instances of my own. Mm. But a few are actually stories that are. are works of uh, from other people fiction that i have in put into this so that people would understand what it was like for other people besides just me to grow up with the except with a, a world of national events described in the stories and and in writing your book it it reads like a novel i mean the conversations are certainly relatable uh, was there any challenge that you didn't realize was going to take place as you began your process of being an author? You know, actually, it, it came much easier than I had expected for this being my first book. I was um, pretty much uh, just going flying by the seat of my pants, but I have had a couple of nice reviews, Pacific Book Review, uh, said that the story was well-written, thorough, and relatable, and that uh, the story jumps off the pages and engages readers at a deeper level, bringing uh, forth a memory that tells the story not only of one man's life, but of the entire generation of events to come. And they also recommended, it says it's uh, personal stories that should grab your copy of Lucas Carter's American Baby Boomer today and read it. Absolutely. Well, that's a great commendation. Is there any one particular story in, I'll call it research or, or remembrances, that stood out in your mind, and uh, you thought, you know, this is this is kind of important in retrospect. I I didn't realize it at the time, but as I began to write it, it uh, certainly had an impact on my life that I didn't realize was there. Uh, probably the one that would most would be that would most reflect that would be uh, my close friend when I was just a youngster, um, and Jimmy was his name, and we ended up being very good friends. Went to Vietnam and went different paths and I watched what the war did to him and his family and and saw the de deterioration of um, how he was treated when he came back home and it, it had an impact on me that has made me really proud to be part of the service and also wanted me to be more involved with wounded warriors and some of those uh, organizations. A very commendable. I, I have a neighbor who is still suffering the results of PTSD and uh, also some indirect injuries related to the Vietnam War. Uh, he has uh, back issues and, and other health problems that have uh, plagued him for most of his adult life. And uh, it's uh, he's very uh, friendly, a, a nice guy to be around generally, but he, in moments, will break down and cry when he's uh, maybe startled or something like that because it brings yeah. back all those horrible memories of war. Are there also positive things in here that are that brought joy to your life when you began to reflect on them? Well, a lot of the things that brought joy to my life were being uh, having to do with family and building my own family and, and uh, our own uh, generation of, of new people. I have grandchildren now, 
and children, and all of them are successful. All of them have been uh, brought up uh, to be fairly successful, and they've all gone to school, they've gone to college, and they're making their own way in the world, and they each have their own individual stories. I touch on some of those in the book, but um, I'm very proud of how my family has developed. Beautiful. Your main character, Michael Larson, you describe as a mischievous youngster and uh, often in trouble in school and playing pranks. Uh, Was that uh, a personal confession, or is that uh, really a a figment of your imagination? No, those were real instances. Uh We we were very good friends, and we got in a lot of trouble when we were were younger kids. So um, it, it worked out for the best because we always got caught, so we were always punished. Hmm. And uh, I learned what it was, the difference between right and wrong at an early age. Beautiful. You deal with some controversial subject matter, of course, uh, such as segregation, religious, cultural changes, and and how the baby boomers have adjusted or readjusted or maybe ignored some of those. Uh, Any cautionary tale that uh, you feel you wanted to portray in your book? Uh, was there an underlying message that came through that perhaps you didn't even set out to do? Uh, probably, as I reflected on my life, I would say that uh, one of the things that came into focus for me is there's a couple of articles in the book where um, my family, my parents, had uh, unfortunate circumstances that caused them to lose jobs, and we didn't have a lot of money. And the church kind of stepped in and reinforced us and helped us and, and made us whole until my parents were able to go back to work and so. And the difference between that's kind of being lost in the American uh, society today, and mm-hmm. it's the government spending more time taking care of people versus the church. And I see kind of a, uh, in the next generation and the generation after that, uh, a less of a attitude of... Um, religiousness or um, worship of God, all the things that the country says, and God, for under God we stand. And uh, it, it's moving more uh, to an open society that may or may not be because of my age, but uh, something that's I, a little distressing for me. Yes, well, us, us boomers are a little bit opinionated. I'm one of them. And uh, I happen to align, I think, with a lot of your thinking, for sure. Uh, the churches, from my perspective, and uh, I certainly have grew up in a church environment. Uh, my dad was a pastor and a founding pastor of a couple of churches and uh, certainly worked hard to, to assist people as best he could, even though the churches were not large. Now, in today's world... Uh, your church is not considered successful unless you've got at least a thousand members, and uh, you know have all kinds of uh, things happening on the sidelines, uh, games, and and uh, I- inspirational moments that that uh, try to impact the community, but not necessarily on a personal level. So I can relate to that. I uh, I think it's been lost uh, in writing this and uh, completing it. Uh, I'm sure there's great satisfaction. Did it whet your appetite to do a sequel or to do a follow-up book? I have actually thought about doing another book. As, as I said in the book, there are still 775 million baby boomers out there, and there are a lot of people that I would be very interested in writing their stories because I've met them and en- enjoyed talking with them. Uh, but I may do one more, uh, probably of my wife, and get her perspective of how it was for her to grow up because we grew up in a little different areas. But... Uh, I've also got another book that I'm writing, which is strictly a fiction, 
that is uh, a different type of book, and it's more of a, a romance-type book. So mm. I'm kind of delving into different genres to try and see where my talents lie. Well, it's exciting to, to talk with authors, and especially those who are inspired, maybe, if I may use the word, older in life after retirement or, or near retirement or after the age of 35 and 40, like uh, many of us have done, uh, that there's uh, inspiration beyond that. There's life beyond that and energy that goes with it. Uh, you've done a wonderful job on this. I will say that the, the style of writing is certainly conversational. It's not something that's boring. Uh, you have a lot of uh, major topics that you touch on and I think would find uh, the, the, the reader engaged in in going along for the ride. 728 pages, wonderfully done. Uh, the title of the book, again, is American Baby Boomer. My author, Lucas Carter, L-U-C-A-S-C-A-R-T-E-R. Lucas, my listeners need to get a copy of this. And I, again, if you're a baby boomer, you would enjoy it. If you're not, you need to learn about what we went through. <laughs> Tell me where they can get a copy of this, Lucas. Well, the book is available uh, through Barnes & Nobles online. It's also available on Amazon online. Uh, and Book Nook online, it, just about anywhere where you can order books online, you can find this book. You also, I'm confident, are starting or about to start perhaps a website uh, connection to your writings. Is that uh, available? We, uh, it is not quite up yet, but we are starting a website. Uh, it'll be uh, online sometime in the very near future. It hasn't been named yet, but we're we're working on that. So as soon as I get it, I will definitely make sure it gets out. Well, congratulations on completing this. Again, a very uh, a very enjoyable read because uh, of content, at least something that a large percentage of the populace can relate to and uh, find inspiring also. Thank you, Lucas, for joining me today and sharing your story. It's been my pleasure, and thank you. Well, honored to visit with you for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Martin. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at TogiNet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcasts. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled The Liberal Record, and joining me from California is the author of this work, Marcello Barazzi. Thank you, sir, for joining me. Yeah, thanks. Uh, 
Nice to talk to you. This is a, a, a book that should be of interest to, to those who have a curiosity about history and about uh, the history of the United States and uh, other things. Give my listeners an overview of what you attempted to achieve in this 200-and-some page book. Yeah, sure. Um, well, the the overall line uh, thesis is that um, we we have a very divided political environment today, and then we didn't have that in the past. Uh, so I go into uh, how that came about, why, what some of the problems are associated with that. Um, there's been a great uh, effort to redefine what the word liberal means, uh, and that's part of my, you know, what I go into is the true nature and definition of what a liberal is, which a lot of people have a misconception of. Uh, so the, that's uh, a big part of the, the basic objective. Uh, I did spend a, an awful lot of time on this. I tried to, well, I did stick to the facts as much as I could gather out of the various sources. I have like 31 charts, 97 references that back up everything. So it's not just it's not just the usual ranting, you know, right and left, you know, I said this, you said that, da da da, all that kind of nonsense. So it's uh covers, you know, really solid material. Most of it almost all of it nobody's ever even encountered it in the normal uh normal days, you know, like um for example, very few people realize that the economy has almost always done better under Democrats than under Republicans. Uh, a lot of people have a misconception on that. Another one is a lot of people have a misconception about health care being better in the U.S. than it is in other countries. Uh, I have statistics and data to disprove that, that uh, you know, health care is, in many other countries are very, very happy with their uh, health care systems. Um, <clears throat> but as you know, I, I think, you know, um, the reviews have been outstanding. Uh, the, the reviews have been really over the top, more than I expected. Uh, people are saying it's one of the best books they've encountered this year. And I think part of that is that I not only talk about politics, but I go into various tangential ideas and concepts. Just to give you an idea, um, one of the subjects which you wouldn't expect but is in there is... Uh, I worked on spaceships, and there's a section in there on spaceship design problems that were tangentially related to politics. I talk about Christopher Columbus's secret that nobody <laughs> that nobody realized that he had a secret on how to sail across the Atlantic that nobody else had, hmm. and uh, that's you know, and that's the reason that we are here today. Well, not the reason, but it's. Part of the reason why he uh, was able to accomplish what he did, but it's very almost never ever mentioned any place in the world. But he had he knew things about sailing that nobody else knew, and it had nothing to I do thought, with, had nothing to do with oversized oars or or rowing, did it? <laughs> no. no, it had to do with uh, just navigation. You know, he's he was really an, an incredibly uh, navigating genius, and that Absolutely. was his secret. You know, and I, I go into a little bit of that, just you know, just to give you an idea that the book is just not you know the same old baloney political baloney. I also talk a little bit about the sex cults back in the 1800s. There was a, several sex cults that were 
floating around. I talk about DNA, how uh, that's effect on uh, the development of uh, society and, and, and uh, history, and, and also I got a big section on communications, uh, and it's all kind of new stuff that very few people are familiar with that, you know, and I think that's because I bring up so many different concepts and insights, I think that's the probably the biggest reason why the reviews have been so outstanding. Uh, um, you, you, obvi- you obviously have a very diverse or uh, digressive uh, type of uh, interest levels. Uh, you have, uh, again, a background as a spacecraft engineer and uh, yep. have worked in that, that arena. Uh, you also have been a, a, a uh, have have ascended Mount Kilimanjaro, uh, Mount Everest, and others for, uh, been interested in photography. How how have you uh, focused uh, sufficiently to to write this? Are you retired now, or what is your what is your primary um, occupation or preoccupation as a writer? Yeah, well, you know, for many years I was a spacecraft engineer, and then I got into computer science and worked on computer systems. And yes, now I'm retired, <clears throat> um, and uh, so I've I've enjoyed travel. I, I have a lot, you know. I, you know, I'm one of those guys that's got interests all over the place. You know, I, I'm I'm interested in lots of activities and stuff, uh, and travel and, and stuff like that has always been a passion. Uh, and yes, in my retirement, I've I've been uh, writing, um, and, and particularly trying to correct the image uh, that has, that's out there in the general public about uh, the political landscape. And so I spent about four years writing this. doesn't seem like it. If you wow. read it, you say, <laughs> you might look at it and say, what the hell did he spend four years on? <laughs> but uh, there is a lot of material in there. It's, it's a very lively t- style of writing. It's not the usual boring type of uh, academic writing, you know, and it's not an academic book. It's a book for the average person. You know, I have a, <clears throat> I have a touch of humor in there, you know, I talk about some things. I talk about football and make some jokes about football. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's been a it's been an interesting uh, journey, uh, and I've enjoyed it so far. And are you are you also a journaler? A lot of my my uh, authors that I interview have over, I guess, eighteen hundred by now. Uh, were journaling uh, that the areas that were of interest to them, and so it it uh, was easy for them to write a book or to compile it. Uh, was this from notes that you've been taking over the years, or just exper- yeah. experiences? Yeah, right. No, I, I yeah, I've uh, basically have uh, an inventory of file cabinets and everything of pretty much everything. Um, it's not just something I just sat down one day and threw a bunch of garbage on a piece of paper. I mean, that's, mm. <laughs> wow. that's not, not like that at all. Well, you're an orga- uh, you obviously have an organized mind if you are a, a, an engineer by, by training. That's a, a skill that I don't choose. I don't have, not choose. I wish I could do that. It's not a skill that I personally have. Your book, I, because it covers so many different topics uh was it difficult to to compile uh well let me let me back up one second and talk about the engineering sure um that um you know your comment about the engineering approach that probably is behind why i use so many graphics in my in my writing Mm. i have i have charts and tables and 
and that's something we did routinely in engineering. You know, we, we you'd always you couldn't just you know go into a meeting or design project and say, oh, I like this to be red instead of blue or whatever. And uh, so yeah, so my approach to things like this, uh, which could be controversial, is to go back and look at the facts, put them in graphic forms, bar charts, uh, line graphs, uh, tables, the whole nine yards, and uh, to prove, you know, that it's not just random, uh, you know, opinions. And I hate opinions. Everybody's got opinions. Right. <laughs> so, no, so I try to, I, well, I bet, you know, I did research you know, all, all over the place. Um, and, uh, I think you know. To be honest, I, I think every everybody I've talked to that's read it said they really enjoyed reading it. They really enjoyed all the different ideas. They enjoyed all the information and, and all that. So I, I'm I'm kind of proud of it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I could done better, but I don't. Know, it's, it's, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from everybody. You you cover such diverse uh, topic material, such as uh, federal aid by state, obesity by state, heart failures. SAT scores yeah, right. even that's that's certainly diverse. Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, I go into a lot of stuff. Uh, I have some observations about abortions that I've never never heard anyone even mention, uh, and it's something the people should think about. And uh, I raise the issue, you know, you know, uh, you know, the background of people are, you know, they they have their opinion of one side of the issue, and they don't have the whole picture and so i the, the abortion few paragraphs in there on that are raising an issue i've never heard anyone of any side of any uh, opinion talk about and so you know that's that's kind of the tenor of the whole book you know as i try to go into issues that people have never considered um and then back them up with you know, statistics and numbers and, and uh, graphs and all that stuff what what is so, the one thing you want leaders readers to take away from your book uh, again it's a it's a very diverse book as far as subject material it uh, may in some people's mind raise some questions uh, they they may or may not agree with you but it at least will challenge their thinking correct Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, I think <laughs> people who are intrinsically uh, opposed to anything you know, of, of a particular political category, they will just knee-jerk reaction be opposed to it. But as you correctly pointed out, I've laid out some ideas and concepts and, and you know facts and figures that makes almost forces them to say. Oh gosh, I never heard. I never thought about that, you know. <laughs> and I've heard people actually say that, and people have actually, you know, told me, said, you know, I, I never thought about it that way, or I never, you know, it's a, it's a new way, a new way of looking at it, you know. And so, yeah, even those who are diametrically opposed uh, politically, they they have at least admitted, or you know, that there's a, a, a whole. A whole treasure of ideas and concepts and uh, perspectives that uh, are a lot. Most of them are rather new and refreshing, and 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 a lot of the reviews have been that it's just interesting reading. You know, one reviewer said she couldn't put the book down. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a great combination. Yeah, she wrote that. Uh, oh, you know, political stuff that's all boring and not stuff. I don't want to read that, but. I couldn't put the book down. That's wow. what she wrote. <laughs> well, this, this this book only took you forty years. Uh, what I hope the next one doesn't take forty. <laughs> not 40, years. Four. Oh, no, four. Okay, I guess I yeah, misunderstood. Yeah, not, 
I, it was uh, a, a lot of research and and details. Are you planning to release a, either a follow up book or something else that interests you in the near future? Uh, I have been tossing around a couple ideas. Uh, one idea that you know, if, if I get a little incentive and and, uh, and energy to do it, I'm considering writing a book uh, about all the women in history who have been influential in in the history of the human uh, adventure. They, you know, there's been a lot of women people never heard of, like Theodora in, in ancient Rome or uh, uh, the Russian queen, um, forget her name. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot, been a lot of women in, in history that have been very influential and powerful and changed our, our, way, our lives. Yes. So, so I was thinking of doing a book along those lines, but I don't know. I, I I need someone to push me a little bit. I think. Go ahead and do, <laughs> go ahead and do it. I don't, I want to know who the queen is from Russia that you don't know either. I mean that. Yeah. Um, oh God. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I I'm just I'm just uh, rattling your chain a little bit. That that <laughs> there are a lot of uh, very fine leadership uh, people in that were were ladies uh, in in all uh, races, colors, and creeds that that did yep. a phenomenal yep. job in in influence influencing and helping grow not only this nation but nations around the globe. So I think that would be a, a fascinating book uh, should you get the interest in uh, researching and, and developing it. Now, this book is dealing with a, a variety of uh, subject materials. Is it similar to others in the crowd, or is this, would, from oh, your no. perspective, totally no. different? How would you, how would I, you describe I, it? I, yeah, no, I, I, I really believe this is quite different than any other book you'll find out there, you know, and... Uh, you know, people have told me that. You know, you know, people who write books, they got kind of like a pattern of following stuff, and most of it is kind of dry and boring, and it's like a, like a university uh, a textbook or you know or something. You know, and that's crazy. You know, that's dumb. Who wants to read that? <laughs> um, you know, so that's the reason I, 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 I kind of put in some humor in there and stuff like that. Um, you know, I talk about. Back in ancient Rome, they were forming the Senate and the and, and, uh, and, uh, and the, uh, the, uh, the organization and the government. And but they needed people. Well, they didn't need it, but people who were the average person were kind of wanted to be represented. <clears throat> and um, so they were all, you know, gathering around and they're saying, "Well, we ought to go on strike," which they did. They actually went on. Strike and the Senate uh, allowed them to have a voice in the government. But in the book, I, I, I have a little anecdote that I made up about they're standing around in the, in the, in the outside the gates and they're, they're saying, "Let's have a strike." And some guy pipes up in the back, "Yeah, yeah, let's have a strike. What's a strike?" <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a fascinating fascinating look at history, historical. Uh, events and also at uh, contemporary events and you've done a, a very a unique and and uh, masterful job in this 200 and so pages the title of which is the liberal record and my guest author who has joined me from california yeah. is marcello barazzi sir where do we get copies of your book yeah uh the liberal record <clears throat> is um by the way i designed the cover myself beautiful uh and created it um the liberal record it's available uh, right now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, 
And just one other thing, if you want to, anyone wants to contact me, I don't know if it's okay, I can give them my uh, oh, email absolutely. address. Absolutely, go ahead. <clears throat> it's marcello.brazzi at aol.com. Again, that's Marcello with one L and Brazzi with two Zs, separated by a dot, at aol.com. All right, sir, let me spell your name in its entirety for my listeners. If they want to do a search online under your name, they can find this book, and uh, hopefully, if you uh, really get inspired, the book on uh, female leadership in the world uh, evolution, if you want to call it that. It's Marcello, M-A-R-C-E-L-O, last name Brazzi, B-R-A-Z-Z-I. And thank you, sir, for joining me and sharing your story today. Well, it's really a pleasure talking to you, Jay, and I appreciate it. My pleasure for Ex Libris on Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. For Ex Libris on Air, this is J. Douglas Barker. The book begins with this prologue. Night had descended on the city of New Orleans like an impenetrable shroud. A thick fog rolled through the red light district, blotting out the stars and the moon, leaving a sheen of moisture on the windows of the buildings and on the patches of grass that grew here and there among the cobblestones. Joining me is author of this tale, the title of which is The Blazing of Vampire Story, Buffy M. Brinkley. Welcome, Buffy. Thank you, Jay. This book is 273 pages. Uh, You're dealing with a topic material that is of great interest to some people. Tell me a little of the background. Uh, I know you've written children's books. This is not a a child's book necessarily, at least with 273 pages. Uh, Explain the genesis of this book. How did it come to be written? Well, vampires have always fascinated me, and I've always wanted to write about them. So I have a friend who's Native American, and uh, she and I are always discussing folklore. And one day we got into talking about the Native American folklore dealing with the supernatural. And as we spoke, the idea for the blazing began to form, and I began writing it about a week later. And how long did it take uh, to, to complete, Buffy? Um, well, the first draft of it took about six months. And then I had to expand it for publication, and that took about eight additional months. You have uh, many uh, memorable characters in here, at least from your perspective. Uh, how did you flesh them, flesh them out, if I may use that term, uh, talking about vampires? Uh, how, how did you develop them? Uh, was it the name first, and then the character just came into being? Uh, did you write from inspiration? What is the process of writing this book? Well, the first thing, the the inspiration came from the folklore that uh, my friend and I discussed. But uh, like I said, vampires have always fascinated me. 
I've pretty much read just about everything there is on the subject. I've been a fan of vampires since I was a little girl. And I knew that if I was going to write a vampire story, that it had to be unique. So that was my first inclination was to outline something that no one had done before. And while there are Native American themes in other stories, they've never been any about the vampires themselves or people that dealt with those vampires. And um, Richard just happens to be my favorite guy name in all the world. And so if I was going to write a vampire, I definitely wanted to name him Richard. <laughs> and um, Ambrose Beers is one of my absolute favorite authors in the world. So his last name, Ambrose. And then Vivica Moreau, I just wanted to give her an unusual name with a more Louisiana sounding surname. And uh, because everything is set in Louisiana, uh, with a few flashbacks to London and um, and and Europe. So um, as far as fleshing them out, I wanted to make her the heroine of the book. Normally, you have, you know, when a romance is written or something like this, it's usually the guy who's the hero of the story uh, coming in to save the day. And I really wanted to kind of flip that script and make Vivica someone that was going to be able to save him. Mm. And um, somebody asked me, what is the title of your story? And I said, The Blazing. And I had no idea what that meant <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I first said it. Right. And so I had to sit down and figure out what that meant. And once I figured it out, I added it to the outline. And the book is the, the final result. And would you describe your book? I, I know it, it does deal with the obvious, uh, a vampire story, but uh, mm -hmm. is there more of a love uh, story underneath all of this? Uh, is it adventure? Is yeah. it, it, How would you describe that? Well, Vivica first meets Richard when she is a child. She is put in a very precarious situation where someone is trying to hurt her, and he rescues her from that attack. Uh, she immediately feels like uh, her. she knows her parents died when she was really young. She lives in an orphanage. And she is someone who is always struggling for independence. She always wants to get out there and, and see the world. And, and so whenever she and the other orphans go on excursions with Mother Superior, she, she escapes... The, the, that uh, area and she just kind of explores New Orleans hmm. and this one night one late afternoon as the sun is setting she gets into the situation and Richard is there to to save her and immediately she she uh, sees him as her protector a guardian angel that perhaps maybe her parents had said to her wow. and as she grows up she starts to see him more and more, but every time she sees him, he's very distant from her and he won't let her get close to him. And of course, as she matures, her feelings for him start to evolve into something that's more romantic. Hmm. And uh, he maintains his distance. He maintains that he is not 
the hero of this story. And um, she can't see that. She refuses to. And once she finds out what he is, it, there's a there's definitely a struggle there between is he the vampire that is actually murdering people around her or is he someone she can trust and love and save? Uh, the prologue, and then once she finds... Yeah, the, the, pro, the prologue mentions 1903. Is that the, the actual time frame that this story begins or, or is there a broader uh, area of coverage in the content? Well, the 1903 is more of a flashback. Uh, you're going to meet Richard and Malcolm at the very beginning, mm. um, and then it's going to flash forward to 1995, which is really where my story begins. Every time you meet Vivica, she's going to be 10 years older. So it spans a couple of hundred years for Richard, but in the span scheme of things, it's 20 years for Vivica. Incredible. And uh, her dealings with him. What, what is the What is the one... I, I guess, a uh, plot twist or story uh, event that challenged you the most, perhaps? Or, or is there a, a a scene that will stand out to the reader that, to you, was the most exciting to write? I thought that the most exciting to write was the very end, where uh, everything just comes into place and you realize who everyone is to everyone. And the battle that ensues between Vivica, who is, who has now realized her full potential and uh, her quest to save the man she loves. So I think that that was the most exciting. The most challenging, I thought, was just making sure that I stayed true to my outline and that I wasn't uh, that I could I could actually go across familiar themes with regard to vampires, but still make them unique in the sense of how the vampires work, what they really are, and uh, how they conquer the people they take control of, and then how the uh, how the warrior that Vivica becomes will be able to rescue him through the blazing. Now, many of my authors are journalers. Uh, they they write on a regular basis, whether it's about a specific book that they're involved with or a theme. Is that something that you have done often in your life? Or I'm guessing with the vampire theme, that would not be necessarily taking anything from from your personal experience. <laughs> but uh, how about the 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 idea of keeping track of events that are going on around you and somehow weaving them into a storyline? Well, I do keep a diary. I very rarely write about myself so, mm. as far as into a story. Uh, my own experiences, I can touch on them and leave them on the fringes. But when I write something, especially something like this, I want it to be outside the realm of reality, but enough within it to where anyone who's reading it can uh, identify with it or uh, kind of insinuate themselves into the story. It's one of the reasons that I wrote Vivica the way I did, because I wanted her to be able to be anybody who read it. Mm. And uh, in, some, in some of the same ways with Richard as well, if you wanted to maybe be the vampire rather than the heroine, then uh, you would be able to do that. Although I do describe Richard a little more in depth than I do Vivica, 
but simply because I wanted any person who read it to be able to become her in their mind and um, identify with the common things that run throughout the book as far as you know being in love, uh, wanting to protect that person, uh, wanting to uh, be that be for them what you felt that they were always for you. Now, now, when many of the, the readers or people who are walking through a bookstore, if they saw a book said that, that was titled The Blazing and a Vampire Story, they would think, uh, maybe this is a little too dark for me. Or would you, in the way that you've approached this, consider this maybe an adventure read and uh, a fun read as well? I think it's loads of fun to read. And uh, it's not as dark as uh, people might think vampires are. Uh it's basically a man who has turned into something he never wanted to be. Hmm. And he's waited two centuries to find the one person who can save him. Even that is something that is, is a big if because it depends on a lot of things for right. her to be able, for her to be the person who can do it. There's a, there's a list of things that she has to be. You have thought that out uh, in, in, in its entirety, obviously, in uh, uh, assembling and uh, crafting this story. Was that the most challenging part, trying to make sure that the reader didn't feel overwhelmed by the, by the storyline or by the uh, genre of, uh, of book or storytelling? Well, yes. I didn't, I didn't want my story to be overly dark. I wanted there to be a romantic thing running throughout it. So... There's a little bit of humor in there. There's a there's a good deal of romance, and there's a lot of adventure. There's, I mean, it, it does touch on vampires and it does touch on death. But that's one of the reasons that I made Vivica a homicide detective. Oh, fabulous! Uh, she's supposed to be in that. She's supposed to be in that world where she's trying to solve the mystery of death. So it's uh, not going to be. Uh, a surprise to my readers that, you know, she has bodies all around her hmm. and that uh, she's trying to figure out who's killing them. Well, it sounds and like so a, in that. And, yes. That's, fa that's a fascinating approach and fascinating, uh, complex character you've crafted. In fact, if I may uh, be bold enough to say this, at least from the outline, it sounds like a good uh, TV series or maybe a movie. Have you thought of it uh, possibly launching or becoming that in the future? I would absolutely love that. I think that people who uh, don't necessarily like to read books, I think they would really love this as a film. I don't know. I mean, I, I am in the middle of writing a trilogy, so mm. uh, this is just the first book. And so as a series, it, it might make it, but I don't think that it would be a long, enduring series, only because there has to be an end. Yes. And uh, but a film would be, I think, a magical thing. I think it would be wonderful as a film. Beautiful. You 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 certainly are an imaginative individual, uh, having uh, jumped from a child's book or novel to one that's definitely, I would say, more of a mature read. Uh, the title of which is "The Blazing: A Vampire Story." My guest author, who has joined me from Louisiana, is Buffy M. Brinkley. Buffy. Where can my listeners get a copy of this? 
Uh, my book is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and uh, on my publisher's site at exlibris.com. And right now, it is available at the City Place location of Barnes and Noble. Oh, excellent! And I will have a signing there soon. Fantastic! And uh, if they do a search under your name, will they find also your children's novel, your or your your other efforts uh, when they come out? They they will. They excellent. will find there are no monsters here on those same sites. Fabulous. And it's Buffy, B-U-F-F-Y, M, middle initial, and last name Brinkley, L-E-Y. Buffy, thank you for joining me from uh, Louisiana and sharing your story. This, again, looks like a fascinating read, and um, the way you've described it, it's one that moves with adventure and excitement. So thank you for sharing your background and your story. Thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate it, and I had a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Thank you. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Parker. (laughs) 